Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Heidi and Jen and Drew and Carrie and Scotty at the moment. Hopefully we'll have some we'll have some more bounce in, I'm sure. Today we'll be discussing the sixth verse of the Tao Te Ching and how it relates to our recovery. Any announcements, go to buddyc.org. I've got a lot of good resources there for you. I do want to talk about one book that's in the buddyc.org in the bookstore there. I haven't talked about it lately. It is Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender, David Hawkins. It's a white and yellow cover. This is, uh, I go through this a lot with sponsees because it is really how to surrender. It is how to let go. It's not a recovery book. It is Dr. Hawkins' personal experience. He wrote it just before he passed when he, I think it was 81, 82 when he wrote it. And he talks about someone in all through the book, like third person, but he's really talking about himself. Dr. Hawkins goes through just how he learned to let go in his life. And he almost died before he learned how to let go. And it almost killed him. It's a very good book. It's actually a, a really good audible listen. I like listening to it on audible much better than reading the book, unless I'm going through in a book study. We've done book studies on that book as well. So especially the first, it gets a little kooky in the back with some things I think are a little woo, but I would say the first 300 pages or so are really good. I'd highly suggest it, highly recommend it. Helped me a lot with grief. Helped me with desire. He says the reason desire is a problem is because we think we don't have what we need. All the things we learn in recovery and in studying the Tao just said from a little different view. So just buddyc.org, go to resources and it's there. Also, I'm still tweaking a daily devotion that you can sign up for free at buddyc.org if you like Taoist thought related to recovery. And it's pushing me to to keep writing those. So I'm still tweaking those. So if you, we got 200, almost 250 people that get those every day. So that's something that interests you. It's out there. It's free. Okay. The sixth verse of the Tao Te Ching, who has a translation they would like to read? I've got one. This is Jonathan Starr. So I'll go ahead and read it. We'll get started with it. And then everyone else can chime in if they so desire. Endlessly creating, endlessly pulsating, the spirit of the valley never dies. She is called the hidden creator. Although she becomes the whole universe, her immaculate purity is never lost. Although she assumes countless forms, her true identity remains intact. Whatever we see or don't see, whatever exists or doesn't exist, is nothing but the creation of this supreme power. Tao is limitless, unborn, eternal. It can only be reached through the hidden creator. She is the very face of the absolute, the gate to the source of all things eternal. Listen to her voice. 
hear it echo through creation. Without fail, she reveals her presence. Without fail. Without fail, she brings us to our own perfection. It's interesting there, he talks about a difference between the Tao, which we could think of as the path, and the hidden creator. I want to come back to this too and do some word substitution, I think. But uh, anyone else have a translation they want to share? I've got the Stephen Mitchell, which is really short. The Tao is called the Great Mother, empty yet inexhaustible. It gives birth to infinite worlds. It is always present within you. You can use it any way you want. Yeah. I I read an interview or heard an interview with Stephen Mitchell talking about this, why his were sometimes much different than others. He just said he would read it and then sit with it. He's a Soto Zen practitioner. And he said that he just, whatever it speaks to him, that's what he writes. More so than taking the actual words and saying, okay, this can mean this and this. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of liberty with that. Yeah. Anyone else? Good to see you today, Tina. Glad you could make it, dear. I want to go back to this Jonathan Starr. If someone has something, interrupt me or raise your hand. I want to substitute love for this uh, great mother, hidden creator. Endlessly creating, endlessly pulsating. Love never dies. Love's called the hidden creator. Although love becomes the whole universe, love's purity is never lost. Although love assumes countless forms, love's identity remains intact. Whatever we see or don't see, whatever exists or doesn't exist, is nothing but love. Thou is limitless, or I say love is limitless, unborn, eternal. It can only be reached. By loving. Love is the very face of the absolute, the gate to the source of all things eternal. Listen to love's voice. Hear love echo through creation. Without fail, love reveals its presence. Without fail, love brings us to our own perfection. Marlo, what would Marlo say? <laughs> Wow, that is powerful. Without fail, love brings us to our own perfection. Is that not true? Is that not what we learn in recovery? That when we choose the vulnerability of living compassionately or whatever words we want to put on it, me looking out for your well-being instead of always thinking about myself, those little ways that we practice love, not all that mushy woo stuff. Real world, real life practice. Man, that's powerful. I know from my own experience when I'm doing things for people out of love and selflessness instead of for selfish reasons or ego reasons, I my relationships get better and I feel better and there's so much less resentment or dishonesty fear anything like that just doing things with loving kindness a loving heart 
just puts me in a better place and puts the people around me in a better place. Love is the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just when I'm not, when I'm not doing it for myself, when I'm not expecting to get, expecting recognition, expecting something in exchange for what I'm doing. If I'm just doing it out, out of love for somebody, I know it makes myself and everyone around me a, a lot more peaceful. McDonald's translation, the spirit of emptiness is immortal. Immortal. <laughs> immortal. It is called the great mother because it gives birth to heaven and earth. It's like a vapor, barely seen, but always present. Use it effortlessly. Use, how, how do we, how do we, how do we use, my use of love becomes effortless or my, when I choose to be compassionate, I experience that ease, I guess is a way to say it. Back to Jonathan Stark said that, talk about the hidden creator. And that's a good description of compassionate living, I think, or loving kindness, whatever words you want to put on that. For example, when, when I do amends, let's say, or have a resentment, at first, I said, why is it going to help me to pray for them? That makes no sense at all. I don't want to pray for them. I want to go fuck them up. I don't. I want to do the opposite. How can I get even? But that ease that I'm looking for is hidden in the compassion. So my question becomes, how can I get compassion into this? How can I get love in this? And that can start with, how can I find gratitude in this situation or this person? And if I start there, then maybe I can get to the point to where I can show them compassion. And if I'm just open to showing compassion, things just pop up and bubble up. And I'll just think, oh, why don't I do this? Or how about this? Or I will have a meeting with a sponsee and a sponsee will have a similar issue that I'm dealing with. Happens all the time. All the time. Or Recently, I had a conversation with the sponsee before we were going to read the text that we were going to read for that day. And the text matched what we were talking about before we read the text. And we didn't know what text we were going to read. Happens all of the time. That's that thread of virtue, compassion, whatever you want to call it. The day, T-E, virtue, that threads through all of this whole path. That's why it's the Tao Te Ching, the path of virtue. And it's good. Hmm. Hey, buddy. You know how you put, the, you put love in there? <clears throat> yes. What if you put now? How does that change it? Oh, wow. Let's try it. Endlessly creating, endlessly pulsating. The spirit of the valley never dies. She is this present moment. Although... The present moment or now is the whole universe. The moment's purity is never lost. I can see that because it would go from one moment to the next. They're never the same. They're never old. The moment's never old. Although the moment assumes countless forms, its identity remains intact. Whatever we see or don't see, whatever exists or doesn't exist is nothing but the moment. The moment is limitless. 
unborn, eternal. The moment is the face of the absolute, the gate to the source of all things eternal. Listen to the moment. Hear it echo through creation. Without fail, the moment reveals its presence. Without fail, the moment brings us to our own perfection. Is that what you wanted? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was. That was really good. That was a great idea. I was thinking living in the moment so hard for me through through recovery. I've been doing some service work, either chairing meetings or going to rehab and talking to people there. And and when I first started doing it, I'm still always worried about me. What am I going to say? What are they thinking about me? Am I letting someone talk too long? And But the more I do it, the more, you know, I can learn to be in the moment with it. Yeah. It's been helpful. So it's, that's some of the practice of it. So that I, don't know, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, no, it's about being in the moment. It's about being the now. And maybe that's what they're talking about here. And another three-letter word for God is now. How about this? Whatever we see or don't see, whatever exists or doesn't exist, is nothing but the creation of love or the moment. How often, that's the source of my angst, isn't it? Where I want things to be different. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Why are things not like this? I'll be happy if things were like this. That's saying regardless, regardless what I see or don't see, what exists or doesn't exist is nothing but love. So it really doesn't, it puts it in perspective. The gate to all things eternal, I can see that. Isn't there a, there's a Tao of, Poo quote, um, echo, let me find it. Okay, here it is. It's from the Tao of Poo, P-O-A. This book is in the uh, Benjamin Hoff. I think this is, this is in the bookstore at Buddy C. <clears throat> the quote from this that I recall is, let's see, flows like water, a life lived in harmony with the Tao, flows like water, reflects like a mirror, responds like an echo. An echo does not generate sound. It merely deflects it. Not unlike the mirror, which does not generate light, but reflects it. Hear its echo through creation. And I am so much unlike a mirror and an echo. I want to throw my shit in there every time. They, I know. They need to know what I think. If they would do this the way I think they should do it, their life would be so much better. That's not an echo. That's not a mirror. And then it flows like water. Water flows over and around obstacles. It does not resort to force to destroy the obstacles in its path. One might say that the Taoist plays the cards that have been dealt to her instead of sulking and demanding a new deal. That's all about it. That's all about acceptance, right there. The taking the hand you're dealt. Listen to this one. This is exactly what I was fixing to read, Drew. Taoists orient their actions to things as they are, not things as they might have been or things as we would have preferred them. 
Oh, thank you, Scotty. That's good. Now that we've got the uh, sixth verse in the chat, any, oh, okay, Heidi. I just feel like where I'm at right now, buddy, like, like I understand that there's things that, that I do need to accept. It's, it's not that, that I, it's like, I know it, but I don't know how, like there's, you know, and that's what I'm learning right now. It's like, how do, what do I need? What tools do I need to put in my toolbox to, for me to accept this? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's it's good on paper, but like when you apply the steps and you apply these things, it's okay. How do we do this? What's the game plan? So, what tools do you use now for acceptance? Hi, let's talk about some acceptance tools. It looks like that's the direction we're heading. So, that's good. Love and tolerance, love and compassion, like like affirmations, mantras. Those are really like because. For me, my brain is like constantly like a hamster wheel. So that's for me, like, like, that's why I like working with you because you do those quick, like the daily things. It's like that can stick just and that compassion and stuff like kind of resets my brain so that I'm rewiring things, not taking the same like old path pathway creating like new synapses I guess that's one that really helps me is that but how do you apply that let's say for example you have something you're having difficulty accepting you don't have to talk about anything personal but let's say you have something what how do you use love and tolerance for that or what specifically what specific affirmation if you don't mind sharing yeah I I just use out of the book, like lo- love and tolerance is our code. We see spot in anyone and anything. I just, when I say that, every, and like the ones that you've given me, like everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be. I wouldn't change it if I could. But that's just something that like, you know, it, it takes practice though. That's what I'm learning. This stuff takes practice because it's not something that we're used to doing. And even the book says it, it's going to be like over our lifetime, there's going to be different things that we're going to be like, fuck, no, I'm not accepting that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, oh, yes, you are going to. But like, how what choice I, do we have? <laughs> yeah, I can either accept it or feel like shit. <laughs> For me, the tools I use, I ask that if I'm having issue accepting something, I, I ask that someone be placed in my path that I can pray for or help that may have similar issues. When I wasn't happy with where I was living, I had a sponsee that imagine he was not happy where he was living. You could imagine that. <laughs> so when I had my pity party, I would pray for him that he would be accepting of where he was, that he was right where he needed to be. All those things, instead of praying for me, I would pray for him. Heidi? Oh, it's Jim. Okay. Oh, you're on mute. Let me unmute you. Are you getting you? Go ahead and unmute. Okay. Okay. So an exercise that I had to do early in my recovery was to go back at different moments in my life and my timeline and pretend, okay, so if you could have changed it, would you have And looking at what happened and then what the results were after those happened and seeing it from the hindsight brought me to a place of acceptance because it was like, every moment in time where I wish that something would have been different, 
when I look at it from hindsight, like if it hadn't happened the way that it did, I wouldn't be where I am now. And right now, right here is a pretty good place for me to be. But there's a lot of places in my life where I wish it would have been this way, or I wish I would have done that, or I wish I lived there, or I wish this wouldn't happened. And when I get to the place where I'm like, but if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be here. If that hadn't happened, then this wouldn't be there. Then when I get to that place then and an acceptance, then I feel really good about where I'm at in my life. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, I want to echo what Jen said. That's something that's really helped me over the years is thinking. It, when I notice I'm in the thoughts of I should have done this or my life would have been so much better if I had done this 15 years ago or 20 years ago or not done this 10 years ago, just to realize what, what were the things that I'm grateful for now that are a result of what I went through then the decisions I made then if I wish that I had moved to a different city when I was 20 or 21. Well, the people who I met in the place where I ended up going, there's, I've still got a couple of great lifelong friends and I went through this. I went through that. I learned these things. So I'm really grateful for having been there. Otherwise I wouldn't have these friends in my life. So when I notice I'm in those thoughts of, i I should have done this. My life would have been better if I had made this decision or if I hadn't done that. Looking at that decision that I'm thinking about, the decision I'm regretting, and then trying to find some gratitude for going through that thing that I wish I hadn't gone through, uh, that really helps me be more at ease with, with the situation I'm thinking about in the past. And help helps me not really think about it anymore when I'm not dwelling on all the negative things that came from that experience or that decision. When I find some gratitude, that just that makes the the thought just dissipate so much quicker. Yeah, I was told not to shoot all over myself. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Drew. Anyone else? What other tools do you guys use? You know, I've talked about all the time, the two that I primarily use, and I did not learn them from AA. I learned them from my Zen Buddhist friends. It's funny. I learned it from some of the teachings, but I don't think they practice this in acceptance the way that I heard the tools there, but I don't know if they heard them or what, but uh, the two I use are thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever which is very difficult at times, but I used to thank you for everything, repeat it and sit with it until I get, get an ease. And then the second one, which is more difficult is whatever it is I would like to change. I say, I would not change blank, whatever that is, even if I could, and that's even more difficult. Stay with that for a while. And eventually I can get some acceptance. It reminded me yesterday was the two year anniversary of my son getting sick. And today would have been two years ago that I actually got some acceptance with that and used those two tools for a couple of hours sitting and got some peace with it. So from personal experience, I know that it worked for me. Scotty. Hey, everybody. Great meeting so far. Buddy touched on what I was going to say a little bit there. 
for me, acceptance takes some time and it takes some patience. I'm guilty of wanting to hurry up and accept something so I can move on, you know, rapidly trying to find gratitude and humility and I'll, you'll run through as many tools as I can as fast as I can. And I just spin my tires usually. So it's going to take some patience, going to take some sitting with it. But if I can talk to just a little bit about the verse, the star translation specifically using words like endlessly and whole universe, limitless, unborn, eternal, it makes me think a lot about God or love or the moment being everywhere at all times. For me, I came into recovery spiritually vacant, just a hole, a black hole, nothing there. And I spent the first year or so spinning my tires again, looking for what God is or was or how to love or how to do these things without any success. Again, rushing through this process. And for me, it turned out that the when I stopped trying to seek and find out and understand, I realized that it was all just there. And for me, the verse makes me think about page 55 in the big book, the We Agnostics chapter, where it says, deep down in every man, woman, and child, there is a fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. I get comfort in knowing that I don't have to be in charge, that I don't have to hurry up and accept. I don't have to have everything figured out. I can be patient. But patience is something I also need to learn and work on. And that, in a sort of paradoxical way, comes from accepting that I can't yet accept it. <laughs> That's all I have. Thank you. Thanks, Scotty. I am, um, buddy. I was just thinking that maybe a manifestation of that acceptance. I've been d- doing some service work with our local, our home, my home group, and chair meetings. And there's a Friday noon meeting I was chairing yesterday, and. I walked in and there was like maybe 20 women and then me. <laughs> so it was almost like a women's meeting that like someone invited somebody. And, and I was like, that would just, uh, the old me would have just been just totally in self for, for all different types of reasons. But, yeah. but I decided to, in my mind just to, what's the mystery here? What's going on with this? This is, and, uh, and so I decided to be patient with it, just do the best I could um, chairing this meeting. And uh, it turns out there was another guy that kind of walked in late. So there was just me and this other guy. And at the end, the mystery was I got to connect with this new person that hadn't been in the meeting. And if I hadn't been there, it would have been really awkward for a new person to walk in to, to a, just an all-woman's meeting. And uh, I just, that's the acceptance, right? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. I could have had all kinds of expectations and not accepted the issue and been in self the whole time. Just if I could just remember to wait for the mystery to happen, and it did. It was pretty amazing. Thanks, Gary. Drew, you have something? Yeah, just thinking about when the mantras and the thoughts about gratitude for what I've been through. Sometimes that stuff just doesn't work. Sometimes there are times when I'm trying to think my way into 
into feeling better about a situation, think my way out of the the thought pattern I'm in. And sometimes I can realize that my thoughts about my thoughts are not being helpful right now. It's just pouring gas on the fire. I'm just fanning the flames, trying to solve my thoughts with more thinking just isn't really doing it. And when I'm lucky enough to realize that, I just try to focus on my breath, focus on what I'm sensing physically, focus on the parts of my body that are touching the chair, focus on how my feet are interacting with the ground, focusing on the sounds that I can hear, the things that I can see without having judgments about them, without having criticisms, without, oh, I wish this chair were more padded, that sort of thing. But just accepting what I'm feeling in the moment, focusing on that, focusing on the sensations. That's definitely a tool that I have picked up recently. One of those things I wish I'd picked it up earlier, but it's come into my life at the right time. And I definitely notice a lot more peace when I can get into those moments, get out of my circular thoughts, get out of trying to force my thoughts to do something else. Just taking a break from that, pushing them aside, sending my thoughts to time out. Doesn't always work, but it's a tool that does help me. That's part of the practice, isn't it, Drew? I know when I started meditating, I didn't know anything about meditation, so I subscribed to Headspace for a year and went through a bunch of Andy's meditations and went through all kinds of ones that he had about all kinds of different things. And one of his examples was how to treat thoughts. And that's when I realized my thoughts were not me. And he used a couple of good examples. One reminded me, I'm going to date myself. When I was a kid, Frogger was one of the... uh, I love Frogger. You remember that? (laughs) He said that you think of thoughts like traffic and just let them pass on by. Don't get out and let them hit you. (laughs) And then the other example he used was clouds. Just think of thoughts like a cloud that's just passing by. You don't have to stay with the cloud or do, you know, you just let it pass. That thought is not you. That is a practice. and That's a good reminder. Thank you, Drew. Is that When did you first realize that you weren't your thoughts? Do you recall when that was? I had an epiphany. I was reading a book, great book, called A Liberated Mind by Dr. Stephen Hayes. And there's a chapter in there on, he calls it defusion. So you are fused with your thoughts when you're in trouble. And if you can defuse yourself from the thoughts, realize that you aren't, your thoughts aren't, you're, you, you don't have really any connection to them. There's no, there's no harm in realizing the thoughts you're having aren't helpful, that they're not wrong. That's in fact, really helpful to see that. That chapter was 
an epiphany for me. I'll get that information after the meeting and I'll put that book in the bookstore. So we'll have access to it easily. Thank you, Drew. Tina. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, this is this made it helped when you switched the words to God and to love and the and to the present moment is well, that was the most profound one for me because that's been my journey. Part of my journey lately is trying to stay in the now, trying to stay present. That's where everything is. They say Eckhart Tolle and Power of Now talks about you can't have anxiety by and be in the present moment. When you're fully engulfed in the present moment and all your senses and your sense of smell and feel and touch and <clears throat> what you can see, it's you can't focus on those things and be stressed at the same time. But also, just like the rest of the verse said, the now is where all of those things, it's endless. It's I liked when you said God moment in love. I think Zoom user said God moment in love is everywhere all the time. And that it just it all checks out. Can we switch this? Can we switch this? And we're told we're not to shut the door on our past. We use it's just like the thoughts and the, we use it and then let it go. And the future, if we're handing our will over. And I like the sign that somebody says has hanging on their wall that says something along the lines of, enjoy your day. I'll take care of all your troubles, God. If you just put your, if you just put your will over. So the really, the only thing you have is the present. And if you're in the future, you're in the past, you're skipping over the only part of life that's real. And that's where I was living. And until I realized that I was living in the past, living in the future and not living in the moment, it's hard for me to live in the moment because my mind gets going. And when my mind gets going, it's not like it's filling my head with amazing thoughts. It's all the negatives. All I have a lot of just dark negatives and I have to consciously Buddy, like what you said, pray for people, pray for other people, pray for people I have, re I may have a resentment with, a resentment with. And I am aware I still have all of these. I'm working on getting all of these things out. I'm far from peace, but I find it in the now, here and there. And that's the only place I really find peace is in that now. When I choose compassion, it's easier to find compassion for other people than myself. And so that's where I'm hoping that it's going to go also by practicing compassion for others. But that's also a way to get me out of my own head. So that's my thoughts and a few of my tools that I use. But yeah, this is a great, this is the other tool I use is Byron Katie, who's Stephen Mitchell's wife. I talk about her often because she has changed my way of looking at acceptance. She does what's called the work and it's four questions that she asks you. And I actually have her app that I use a lot is 99 cents and all her printables, everything's free. She has everything available. She's got 
great sheets for teens, kids, and adults to do the work. And what it is basically is she says, is that really true? Tina, are you really letting your loved ones down? Is it true? Can you be sure it's true? And she does this work where it turns it into looking inward. So with that said, if I can find the compassion for myself, I can find it better for others. But um, pure acceptance and living in the now are two of my main things that's going to get me there. And there, it seems so easy, but I struggle with them. Yeah, anytime I argue with the what is, is when I struggle. And so acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Thanks for letting me share that. It might be the answer, Tina, but how do we, where the fuck is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Drew. Yeah, I want to plug Byron Katie too. I've heard you talk about her for several years. And I picked up her book, went through it, really helpful. And found out that she puts out once a week a podcast episode for free where she goes through the work with somebody in real time so somebody talks brings up a problem that they have and byron katie goes through the work with that person on that problem for a good hour or so and it's a really good way to hear the work in action hear somebody else go through the process of answering these questions in real time so it's usually comes out once a week, usually about an hour long, but it's, it is really helpful. Thanks, Drew. I'll take a look at that. And we also have two of her books in the bookstore. And if you look back in prior episodes, search for Byron Katie, we did several episodes talking about the work. And I actually have all four of the questions up on my computer at the bottom of my computer to remind me, is this true? Do I know this is absolutely true? How do I react when I believe this is true? And how would my life be different if I did not believe this is true? And Tina, I think for me, life is a mirror. When I show compassion to others, I get compassion in return. And if I don't feel love for myself, I just keep loving others. And eventually I'll realize that I no longer hate myself. Y'all heard me talk about that. Riding down the road in the car when I first got sober, staring in the rearview mirror, saying, I hate you. I hate you over and over again. When I was sober about six months, I realized I wasn't doing that anymore. I didn't have to stop. Scotty, it's like we were talking about this morning. My actions just changed on their own when I started doing the right things. Yes. The interesting thing about the moment, too, raise your virtual hand if you've got something or unmute. I thought it was change. The only constant is change. And my lack, my reasons for difficulty with acceptance is that I want to grasp on to things and keep them from changing. I don't want things to change. I want them to stay the same. I can go somewhere one time. And when I come back, I want to park in the same parking place. I, I don't know why that is. Or sit in the same seat. It's just like that. So not only is everything going to change, everything is changing constantly. 
It's not that it's going to change. It is changing all the time. And once I started seeing that, it's that holding on with an open hand, like we talked about before. And it reminds me of the moment being like a wave in the ocean. And we're you can't just be on the wave for a second. Stop. That doesn't happen. The wave moves all of the time. It never stops. And for me, it really resembles just riding that wave of the moment all of the time. Is the best description for me of what the moment is. Because the moment is not a fixed thing. It's constantly changing. So I have to be aware that life is ever-changing. And the more I try to hold on because my fear wants things to be fixed, to feel it's got things figured out, that there's no surprises. That gives me a false sense of security. And a lot of this is about just letting go of that. Is it really true that things being the same is that security for me? No, it's not. It's not true. Is it true that something changing is a threat to me? No, it's not true. As much as I would like to think it's true, it's not. Yeah, all comes back to the acceptance of what is. And just staying there, staying on that wave all the time. Yeah. Anyone else? Been a good conversation. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Looks like Justin's just listening. Glad to have you today, sir. Just want to make sure you don't have anything to add before we close out. Any final comments, guys? That's been really good. I'm just trying to think if there's something we need to add. I'm going to put the book you mentioned in the bookstore, Drew. Send that information to me, please, and I'll get it in the bookstore. I know I'm behind on posting podcasts. I've been almost a month without posting anything. I did not realize it had been that long. Actually, the last post in June, Gigi Langer, I interviewed. I'm still doing some other interviews. And would like for anyone here that has not been interviewed, I would love to do an interview and just talk about your story and how the Tao relates to your recovery. Don't feel obligated, but if you would like to, I'd like to have your story. I'm going to start posting regularly again. I posted the first episode, the first verse last night. So at least once a week, I may post more often to catch up some. We'll just see. Got several interviews too. So right now I think I'm about six, four to six weeks behind. Anything else, guys, before we close? If there's nothing else, hopefully we'll see you guys next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars, Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.